He's Christian. He's Jimmer. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. A real bag of chips this week. Today we're going to cover patella tendinitis and review the kettle wood-smoked sea salt potato chip. Fried, baked, cooked in 100% almond oil. Mmm, almond oil. I don't think that affects the, uh, the flavor too much. So ready for a real chip. It's been a it's been a weird start to season two. Yeah. Anyway, patellar tendonitis. Not good. Painful. Yeah. Uncomfortable. So pain directly at the front of your knee, generally speaking. The soft spot between your patella and your tibial tuberosity. Nice. So typically it's most affected at the inferior patellar pole, which is kind of the bottom portion of the patella, the bony portion there, but that's really specific and not that interesting, I guess. Nah, it hurts, it hurts. Yeah. Uh, Generally speaking with this, you get a gradual onset. So it's not like you wake up one morning and your knee hurts. It's, you had a little something, but you ignore it. It goes away, it comes back, goes away, it comes back. Helped a buddy move from a third floor apartment. Yeah. Older walking down with boxes in your hand. Mm-hmm. Wake up the next day and he's kind of achy. Yeah. Maybe a little swollen, maybe not. This is also called jumper's knee. It's another way you'll see it written. It's most common causes are running and jumping. They've also attributed to uh, early sports specialization. So young kids who only play one sport at a younger age has been linked to this a little bit which is sort of interesting. Yeah, not, not to be confused, though, with Oshkut Slaughters, which is um, yeah. pain in a similar area, but not the same thing. No, so that's bone pain. That has to do with being skeletally, skeletally immature. Easy for you to say. No, it wasn't easy at all. There's also sending larsen johansson disease, which is the same bone issue, but of the inferior patellar poles. So that can make things a little bit more muddled because traditionally patellar tendonitis is most bothered at that inferior patellar pole. Yeah. So, yeah, you do see that. Good differential diagnosis there, Jimmer. Nicely done. You're welcome. Nicely done. Ooh, I'm, I'm like, I got a big smile on my face. I got a compliment. Yeah. Love compliments. So there was a, a really nice article that was done in uh, 2016 called Current Concepts in the Treatment of Patellar Tendinopathy. This was done by uh, Mark F. Reinking and He looked at intrinsic factors as well as extrinsic factors in terms of what caused or what was most closely associated with the onset of patellar tendinopathies. And he found it had more to do with extrinsic factors, so training volume, type of activity, sports-specific movements, shoes was a big one, as well as uh, environmental conditions like the training surface or things along those nature versus intrinsic factors which are more age and gender and knee alignment uh, q angle patellar position femoral version so anti or retro hypermobility foot morphology as well as body type so generally speaking this is a something that can affect anybody based on the activity they choose to participate in and nothing to do with what their body type is like which is kind of interesting Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that, but that doesn't really matter what I think. Yeah, no. And so the conclusion of that basically came down to it's up to the therapist to decide based on what they find in their examination. So if you're doing your examination and you find that an individual has incredibly 
immobile ankles and you feel like that's contributing, then you should work on that. So that would then be more of an intrinsic factor versus an extrinsic factor. Uh, obviously, uh, reducing participation in the activity that's causing the, the issue is important to, to adjusting training volume or uh, ceasing certain activities for a short period of time to allow for that irritation to, to, to go away and the healing process to kind of more fully take effect is very important to do as well. So pretty interesting article. Yeah. Worth the read. Yeah. And like every other article that is um, laid out black and white, truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There's a few terminology things that are always interesting with this. So patellar tendinitis would be based on inflammatory issues. So these would be things that pain has been around for a shorter period of time. Perhaps there's swelling in, in the area versus an osis, uh, or, which is more of a degenerative change, which is something you may not be able to see as much, but you can certainly see that on like an MRI versus like a, a manual assessment or a visual assessment. That's kind of an interesting definition. So one is more short term, one is more long term. Yeah, and that's class. That, that's typical, not just for the patella, but for any differential diagnosis between tendonitis and tendinosis. Correct. Yes. Yes. So tendinosis, something has been around a lot longer, and tends to start having some tissue changes, which therefore makes it harder to to treat. Does so. We were talking earlier. I, I had actually seen one patient that had surgery on a patellar tendinosis. That's not done very commonly anymore. But, and this was quite a while ago, where they went in and they tried to clean out the, uh, the tendon sheath um, of some minor calcification-like tissue changes. And uh, that particular surgery was not successful. Yeah, there's not a lot of evidence to support surgery. Um, at times, the best indication is that it could be warranted. So that's not a super ringing endorsement there at all. No. The other thing you might see is some sort of injection, uh, cortisone injection or something along those lines. Again, not very common, does happen. Those are much more effective for inflammatory processes. So if it's a short-term situation, generally speaking, if it's been around for a short period of time, you're not going to inject it anyway because that seems a bit overkill most of the time. But those things are possible and they do happen from time to time. In terms of treatment, historically, eccentric exercises have been considered a lot better than, than a concentric exercise. And an eccentric exercise is where you lengthen while contracting. So an example of this on the patella tendon would be the descending portion of a squat. And so what you might see a lot of would be single leg descending portion and then double leg ascending portion or the portion where you stand back up and that would be an eccentric load on the patella and that has been historically the most common and effective way to treat patella pathology patella tendon pathology and that's after we've kind of controlled the inflammation and the pain levels right because yeah, yeah. you don't want to work into pain so if that is too painful to pre to be performed we can lower the load, so we can put them on a gravity tower or a, or a um, or some type of sled, or we can take some of the weight off and start working that. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, controlling the pain and inflammation is important as well. Yeah, and I find almost every single time you'll work with somebody in these situations, and they certainly will have either weakness somewhere else or, or a real struggle with controlled single leg motions. And this can be an upper body rotation around the leg and they'll have a hard time controlling that. And so what you'll find is generally the overuse is that they're quad dominant. So they want to use their quad to do everything. And so we always try to encourage more. I mean, hip strength is usually one of the big ones there, but also ankle stability and ankle control. And if, again, like the article said, you kind of have to tailor it to each individual. Somebody may come in and have poor quad strength, and that's something that they need to work on, and so that's something you work on with them. But generally speaking, it's more related to difficulty controlling like an eccentric load. So when you jump and you land, the landing portion, you'll see the right knee turn in a lot more than the left, and they have right knee patellar tendinopathy, and so that's the knee that taking more load and more discomfort and so you'll work on the mechanics of of landing and you'll do that in small little bits so you'll start with whatever distance they can control whichever distance is comfortable and you'll progress that until you can perform that activity without that aberrant movement or aberrant huh i used it yep yeah so quad dominance is, is pretty common partially because so much easier to work your quad than any of the other exercises or any of the other musculature. So going to the gym, you know, you'll have your your squats, you'll have your leg presses, your lunges. So pretty common to yeah. do four or five quad exercises for maybe one hamstring exercise, one calf exercise, and most everybody conveniently forgets the hips. Yeah, I mean, hip abduction is a criminally underperformed exercise at the gym. There aren't nearly as many machines to focus on that as I think there really should be and so you'll see that seated you know adduction abduction machine which is really it's a great way to wreck your back by the way it's a pretty useless machine because you never sit and do forced hip abduction or adduction so it's just not the most functional machine at all but that's about the only one you'll see most of the yeah, time yeah you can see the standing one that has a little bolster in the extendable arm where you can kind yeah. of swing the leg out and back and most Not people big. use that to do <clears throat> hip extension, though. Yeah. So. Easiest exercise to do. Get a rubber band, strap it around your ankles, stay, stay in a dynamic position, and walk side to side. That really, really works your hip abductors. It's yeah. a functional, easy exercise to so do. So it's called a crab walk, monster walk, lateral band walk. I mean, any of 100 names along the, the walk and the band. The key there is to keep tension on the band throughout, so you're really trying to isolate those muscles and, and get them to do more kind of static control of a dynamic movement so you're trying to prevent them from moving so you're trying to find stability there that's usually a big big cause easy exercise to do if you need a band swing by the clinic we'll cut you one yeah we're pretty good about that easy going you want to talk about a chow pad strap or not yeah we can talk about that sure so if you um if you're continuing to work out or if you want to work out and and the pain is improving there's a device you can buy called a Chopad strap, which is basically, you know, a similar device as people would use on IT band tendonitis or tennis elbow. Mm-hmm. It goes in a soft spot below your knee. It kind of disperses some of the forces or the pressure that is being placed on that tendon. Yeah. Um, 
easy to do yourself with a uh, with a roll of pre-wrap. You can tie that around, or roll that around your knee, uh, and then roll it up. The, the straps are relatively cheap, and in a lot of cases, they're very effective in kind of modifying the pain. I think it responds better if it's a tendonitis or a tendonopathy. Right, yeah, that's, so that's that, a good that point, may have probably. something to do with it too. That's probably good. It's probably the best way to say it. Again, well done, Jimmer. Really on top of the game. Plan. I didn't use the word abhorrent in a in a sentence that. Well, way. you know. Just saying. Just putting that out there. All right, trivia time. So last week, what is the tiny plastic covering on the tip of a shoelace called? Guess who got this right? Almost everybody. It was Gene. Amazing. Gene knew a song. Gene knew the song. By Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. Yes. Just a great kid show. So Kaylee knew the answer. Well done, Kaylee. Natasha knew the answer. TJ knew the answer. Tasha. Connie knew the answer. Good job, Connie. Yeah. So, apparently, a lot of Phineas and Ferb watchers out there. Yes. Everybody's singing the song about the aglet. Aglet. Yes. Aglet. I thought that was a baby eagle. Is that an eaglet? Probably. But. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. I, 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 I had no idea what it was until Christian showed me. So, well done, those of you who guessed it correctly. And we really appreciate you playing the game with us. So, thanks yeah. for keeping those answers coming, good or bad. Um Keep keep um, keep sending them. This week's question: Why is this sentence special? The quick brown fox jumps over a lazy dog. That's a good one. So again, the quick brown fox jumps over a lazy dog. Why is that sentence special? Everybody, get in your phones right now. Start typing. Chip time. Real chip time. Take a look at this bag. It says potato chips. It's exciting. That's the way potato chips should be. They should be made with potatoes. Kettle, wood, smoked, sea salt. Chip to air ratio, 40%. Kind of disappointing. To bark for a kettle brand, though. Ooh, um, I, I bartered with Christian, and I got the double fold. Mm. It's a crunchy chip. Yeah. Kettle cooked. Typical kettle crunch, got the potato peel on the edge, which I'm a big fan of. Yep. I don't know if you can taste it, but I just, I'm just a fan of it. I just think it looks right. You can taste the potato. You, you would think it, it smells like barbecue. It I think it's, I think it's the hickory. Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely it's, got, um, I would call that a wood smoked sea salt flavor. Yeah, but it's way more than just a sea salt chip. Yeah. So the wood smoke definitely comes mm -hmm. in. The smoke is good. I like this. It's a good chip. Yeah. If you like salt chips and you like barbecue, it's got everything. Yep. I don't know what the flavors it's out. Yeah. I don't know what the almond oil does. Maybe it makes it healthier. Maybe. That's yeah. kind of a contradiction in term, right? Yeah. A healthy chip. Healthy potato chip. No. We had those last week. And everybody no. knows what happened there. These are, They have the same exact calories and stuff as these chips. So yeah. I'm going to keep eating. I'd much rather have these. I'm just checking to make sure if it's a... This is a very solid two thumbs up here. Oh, one or two thumb. This is two thumbs for me. I don't want to join Christian here. Two thumbs. Well done, Kettle Brand. Yeah, good stuff. The wood smoked sea salt. The wood is, is yeah, it's, it's yummy. noticeable. It's a, good, it's a good addition. It's a good potato chip. This elevates the standard sea salt chip by at least one thumb. Gives it a whole wood smoked level. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> All right. God, my chair broke. I didn't do it. Thank you for listening today. 
Next week, we're going to be going over Sitting is the New Smoking. Or vaping. Not really. And we're going to review the Zweifel Wave Chips Inferno. Oh, they were mailed to us. Yes. By Kim. Kim. Thank Kim. you, Kim. So, that's going to be awesome. Way to go, Kim. If you like the show today, please tell a friend, follow, review, subscribe. If you're looking for information on this topic, follow us on Instagram and Twitter throughout the week. For more information on rebound therapy, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. Or just swing by for a cup of coffee. Come meet us. He's Jimmer, and I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.